This is a podcast from the University of Manchester's Jodrell Bank Centre for Astrophysics. For more information, see jodcast.net. The night sky for September 2018. Well, you don't have to stay up quite so late now, do you, to actually see the heavens? And after sunset, a bright star, Arcturus in Bootes, will be setting on the western horizon. But just a little bit to the west of south, high up, you'll see what is called the Summer Triangle. The three stars, Altair in Aquila, Vega in Lara, and Deneb in Cygnus, make it up. There's some nice things to see in this area, something called Brocky's Cluster, or the Coat Hanger, and the Double Double in Lara. And on the Night Sky page, just put in Night Sky Jodrell into a search engine, I've given details how to find them. Over and somewhat down towards the horizon, we have the upside-down winged horse of Pegasus. And this gives you a starting point to find the nearest giant galaxy to us, M31 Andromeda. You start at the top left-hand star of the square of Pegasus, which actually is Alpha Andromedae, called Alpha Rats. Move across one bright star to the left, round a little bit and up again to the next bright star, then turn through right angles. Follow one star and the same distance again. You should see, with binoculars, a fuzzy glow. And that's the Andromeda galaxy. The photons that are falling on your retina left there some two and a half million years ago. It's quite exciting, isn't it? Above Pegasus and along the line of the Milky Way, you'll see the constellation of Cassiopeia, a W shape. And towards the horizon from there, you'll see the constellation of Perseus. And with binoculars, between the two, you might make out a little fuzzy glow, which are the two clusters that make up the double cluster in Perseus. So quite a lot to see. And I do hope you have some dark skies in which under which to see it. I've just got back from Sark, which is one of the darkest places in the United Kingdom. And it was amazing what we could see with our unaided eyes. Someday, perhaps you might go there. So let's have a look at the planets. Well, Jupiter now is obviously past its best. It can be seen in the west soon after sunset at the start of the month. It shines at magnitude minus 1.9, falling to minus 1.8 during the month. It has a disk some 35, falling to 33 arc seconds across. So you should be able to see its equatorial bands, sometimes the great red spot, and up to four of its Galilean moons. Sadly, moving slowly eastwards in Libra during the month, Jupiter is heading towards the southern part of the ecliptic, and really will only have an elevation of about 10 degrees after sunset. Atmospheric dispersion will thus hinder our view, and it might be worth considering purchasing an atmospheric dispersion corrector to counteract its effects. Now Saturn is also visible in the south at an elevation of about 14 degrees after sunset at the beginning of September. Its disk now has an angular size of 17.5 arc seconds, falling to 16.5 during the month. At the same time, its brightness reduces from plus 0.4 to plus 0.5 magnitudes. The rings were at their widest some months ago now, but are still at about 25 degrees to the line of sight, well open, 
and spanning about two and a half times the size of Saturn's globe. Lying in Sagittarius, Saturn halts its retrograde motion on the 6th of the month, within a few degrees of M8, the Lagoon Nebula, and M20, the Triffid Nebula. Again, sadly, atmospheric dispersion will greatly hinder our view. Now, Mercury. Actually, it can be seen low in the east-northeast, some 30 to 45 minutes before sunrise during the first week of September. And on the 5th and 6th, Mercury, shining at magnitude minus 1, is just over 1 degree from Regulus in Leo, which will be at magnitude plus 1. Around the 11th of the month, Mercury disappears into the sun's glare as it moves towards superior conjunction, that's behind the sun, on the 20th of the month. Well, Mars has been a very prominent object in the South the last few weeks. It ceased its retrograde motion westwards in Capricornus and just about got to Sagittarius, actually, at the very beginning of the month. It made its closest approach to Earth since 2003 at the end of July. So after sunset, Mars can be seen just east of South, shining at magnitude minus 2.1, falling to minus 1.3 by month's end. Its angular size at the start of September is still 21 arc seconds, that's pretty good, but it falls to about 16 arc seconds by the start of October. With a small telescope, it should be possible to spot details such as Certis Major on its salmon pink surface. Again, towards the lower part of the ecliptic, it will only reach an elevation of about 14 degrees when due south. Well, Venus was at greatest elongation east on the 17th of August, but is now only seen low in the west after sunset, setting at about 80, reducing to 45 minutes after the sun. During September, it brightens from magnitude minus 4.6 to a pretty dazzling minus 4.8 magnitudes, making it easier to spot in the sun's glare. Binoculars might well be needed to spot it towards the latter part of the month, but please do not use them until after the sun has set. Its angular size increases from 29 to 46 arc seconds, but at the same time the percentage illuminated, it's called its phase, narrows from 40% to just 17%, so it's a very thin crescent. So finally, what about the highlights? Well, I've mentioned Mars earlier. Mars came to its closest opposition to Earth since 2003 on the 27th of July. But sadly, two things have conspired to limit our views. From the UK, its maximum elevation when on the meridian was only 12 degrees when observed from a latitude of plus 52 degrees. Thus, the atmosphere has hindered our view. The second problem has been that, as sometimes happens, Mars has suffered a major dust storm, which at the end of July was making it very difficult to observe any features on its surface. These can happen every six to eight years and can last for several months. The small-scale dust storm began on May the 30th and by the 20th of June had engulfed the whole planet. Happily, the dust storm has now seemed to subside, and so details on the surface, such as Certis Major and the Hellas Basin, will be visible in small telescopes. Well, again, Saturn is still a highlight. 
it reached opposition at the end of June, so it's now low, elevation about 14 degrees in the south as darkness falls, lying above the teapot of Sagittarius. Held steady, binoculars should enable you to see Saturn's brightest moon, Titan, at magnitude 8.2. A small telescope will show the rings with a magnification of times 25 or more, and one of 6 to 8 inches aperture with a magnification of, say, times 200, coupled to a night of good seeing, when the atmosphere was calm, will show Saturn and its beautiful ring system in its full glory. But again, due to its low elevation, even when south, it's not going to look quite as exciting as it sometimes does. So, I mentioned three things that are visible high in the sky after sunset in September. The details are given on the night sky page. Just search night sky jodrell. First of all, there's a lovely globular cluster, M13 in Hercules, and the double-double star system, Epstein Lyrae in Lyra. Um, with binoculars, you'll see two stars, a double, but with a small telescope under a night of good seeing, each of those is shown to be a double. Another object is called the coat hanger, formerly Brocky's cluster, and that lies about a third of the way from Altair up towards Vega in a rather dark region of the Milky Way called the Cygnus Rift. It's a very pretty thing, so try and have a look for that. At obviously the beginning of September, you can actually see three planets towards the south and west. So you've got Jupiter setting towards the west, Saturn lying due south, and Mars in the south-southeast. So that's quite nice. On September the 8th, before dawn, Mercury will lie below a thin crescent moon. And on the 17th, in the early evening, Saturn is below a first quarter moon. On September the 18th, in the evening, Mars can be seen to the lower left of a waxing gibbous moon. And finally, on September the 29th, late evening, the moon can be seen amongst the Hyades cluster. And let's just say that it's actually quite a good month to observe Neptune with a small telescope. It comes closest to the Earth, it's called opposition, on the 7th of September. The magnitude is plus 7.9, so Neptune with a disk of just 3.7 arc seconds across is, should be easily spotted in binoculars, lying in the constellation Aquarius, over to the left of Lambda Aquarii, as shown in the charts on the night sky page. And rather nicely, it rises to an elevation of 27 degrees when due south. Given a telescope of 8 inches or greater aperture and a dark, transparent night, it should even be possible to spot its moon, Triton. I usually mention something on the moon to look for, and around September the 18th, just after first quarter, is a good time to observe a rather nice little mountain called Mons Piton, which is an isolated lunar mountain located in the eastern part of Mare Imbrium. It's southeast of the crater Placo and west of the crater Cassini. The diameter is 25 kilometers and it has a height of 2.3 kilometers. And the height was determined by the length of the shadow it casts when the sun is at a low angle above the horizon. Cassini is a 57 kilometer diameter crater that's been flooded with lava. The floor has been impacted by many times 
and holds within its borders two significant craters, Cassini A, the larger, and Cassini B. Again, looking north of Cassini, you should see a rift through the Alpine mountains, Montes Alpes. About 166 kilometers long, it has a thin rill along its center. It's called the Alpine Valley. I've never been able to see that fine rill, but I have been able to image it as seen in the lunar section image called the Eight-Day-Old Moon, which I took in March earlier this year. Well, longer nights, I do hope you enjoy having a look at the heavens. Thanks for that, Ian. Uh, and for our Southern Hemisphere listeners, here's Gabby Perez with the night sky where you are. Kia ora, everyone. Gabriella here from Wellington, New Zealand, looking up at our September night sky. Uh, we're finally seeing the end of the cold nights as we move into the spring. Uh, September is a time for spring, and we can see it in our gardens as well as in our skies. Throughout the month, you'll notice that our days are slowly becoming longer, and the nights will be getting shorter. And around the 22nd of September is, of course, the spring equinox, meaning that we'll have equal amounts of day and night, and the days will continue to get longer as we move forwards in time. Um, for the same reasons, we'll also see changes in the elevation of the sun, as it will appear a little bit higher in our northern skies and continue to move higher throughout the month. Um, so you can see that shadow becoming shorter as the sun gets higher. In terms of the moon, new moon will fall on the 9th, so the beginning of the month will probably have the darkest sky, which will be perfect for viewing all the deep sky objects. Um, the moon will be full on the 25th of September. So we still have quite a few planets in the sky, especially found across the ecliptic. Uh, we have four naked eye planets in our sky. The brightest of these will be Venus, our evening star. Um, it'll be on the western horizon shortly after sunset. Above Venus, you'll find Jupiter up ahead. East of the zenith, we will have Mars. And all three of these will be visible just after sunset as these planets um, appear very brightly in our sky outshining a lot of the uh, stars. Now Mars has been especially bright and earlier this year it came to the closest it's been to Earth in uh, 15 years at the end of July and it's still looking quite bright but it is moving away from us. It's the same brightness of Jupiter and it will continue moving away appearing smaller in our skies. It's looking a little bit better through a telescope as the dust storm that was clouding our view of Mars has um, finally dispersed. So as the night gets darker, we will see Saturn appearing in the north, and the moon will be weaving through all these planets throughout the month. Between Saturn and Jupiter, you'll find uh, what we like to call our winter constellation, which is Scorpius, and its bright orange star Antares, the rival of Mars. So this giant red star marks the heart of the scorpion, but we don't have scorpions here in New Zealand, so early Māori um, see it as a fishhook, te mata Māori, and Antares is the bloody bait on the hook. Now, Māori constellations, unlike European ones, change. As the night changes or as the year changes, they will appear at different angles in different locations, so they'll be different objects. For example, in the morning, Scorpius, or the fishhook of Māori, will appear, of Maui, apologies, will appear by the horizon, hook side up. Then this shape becomes the western pau, or pillar, holding up the sky. It's hooked over as it bears all the heavy sky on its back, all alone in the west. 
out in the east there are actually three pillars um, so we can see the changes of the constellations even throughout our September night skies. We also have a lot of brilliant stars in our skies. Arcturus, also um, Alpha Bootes, is the brightest star in the constellation of the Bootes, and the fourth brightest star in the night sky. It's actually, interestingly enough, the brightest in the northern celestial hemisphere. It will appear northwest in the sky, um, along with Canopus, the second brightest star in the sky, which will appear on the south. So both of these stars will appear to twinkle because they both can be found quite close to the horizon. Canopus can look a little bit like a traffic light as it flashes in different colors, and Arcturus will flash red and green. This happens when the stars are so close to the horizon that the light disperses as the light has to travel through the thicker atmosphere before it reaches our eyes. Canopus is in the constellation of Carina, which is circumpolar to us here in New Zealand, meaning we can see it at any time of the year and night. It was once part of the bigger constellation, the Argo Navies, that has now been split into three parts. So this giant boat, once the largest constellation, um, is now formed of Carina, the keel of the ship, Vela, the sails, and Puppus, which is essentially the poop deck. Carina can be found by the Southern Cross, you can use the Southern Cross and Canopus, and between the two lies the constellation. Now through a pair of binoculars, you can spot a much fainter star within this constellation, Eta Carina. So the star was once very bright in our night sky, in fact, almost as bright as Canopus. It went through an event known as an imposter supernova. So a supernova happens at the end of a star's life when it collapses in on itself in a massive explosion, bursting out bits of gas and dust. So Ada Carina went through a similar event, but it hasn't come to the end of its life. It's still quite hardy. So astronomers are keeping their eyes on the stars that might go full supernova, which would, of course, be an incredible thing to witness. Or maybe go through another event, and you can withstand another imposter supernova. It is now enclosed in the Homunculus Nebula, and astronomers believe that actually within um, Ada Carina is actually a double star system. Of course, the Southern Cross is very easily spotted in the south, and we like to use our pointer stars, Alpha and Beta Centauri, the brightest stars in the constellation of Centaurus, currently pointing down to the Crux constellation. Also in the south, we have a stunning view of our galaxy, the Milky Way galaxy, stretching from north to south, and the bulge appearing between Scorpius and Sagittarius, that zone Sagittarius A, marking the heart of our Milky Way galaxy. Also, if you look in the southern skies, you'll see, especially in the beginning of the month, on the moonless times, you'll see uh, the little patches or blobs. These are, of course, the Magellanic clouds, and we can find them by a much lesser known tiny constellation called Mensa, named after Table Mountain on either sides of that. It's not particularly bright, so you might need to look very carefully or go out somewhere where there is dark skies. And these two are small, irregular dwarf galaxies that are circling around our Milky Way. So interestingly enough, on a moonless evening sky, you might see the zodiacal lights, which is visible in the west. It's a faint, broad column of light surrounding Venus and Jupiter, and it extends upwards. Um, it's just the sunlight reflecting off meteoric dust in the plane of our solar system. Um, so this dust may have come from a comet a very long time ago, and it is incredible, so that's certainly a sight to see. And that's it from me for the month of September here in Wellington, New Zealand. I wish you all clear skies, and if you're in the Southern Hemisphere, a fantastic spring.